The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Morning, I'm your social worker with a microphone. How are you this morning? And thanks everyone for joining us this morning on VoiceAmerica.com with Lauren Blake and Catherine Zox, Lauren Beller Blake. Um, Laura, I was just talking to Lauren before we went on the air, and we are, some of our best conversations are off the air. So too bad you guys can't listen to it. But anyway, we were talking about childcare because it's perfect for the show. Uh, because our guest today is going to be a uh, it's a dad actually he's a dad I don't know if he's listening right now but his name is, is uh, Glenn Sachs and he's a newspaper columnist Lauren he's uh, and he writes about men's and fathers issues you know we always have it from the woman's perspective mommy perspective so we're going to give a dad a chance this morning which is very nice he's a guest on the radio and television very Frequently, I've had him on my show before. Maybe it's been on the Washington show. Anyway, he's the executive director of Fathers and Families as well. So uh, he's got a an interesting point of view. Perhaps we won't agree with him, but that's okay. And if any of our listeners don't agree with him, you can also call us at 866-472-5787. That's 866-472-5787. So... Okay, Laura, start off. You had an issue this morning. You got the stuff. You're the mommy. You're the person who's trying to balance motherhood and um, working and entrepreneur and all that kind of stuff. And it's not easy, is it? It's definitely a balancing act. And I don't want to say that it's not easy. It is a balancing act. And my sense is, is that we make it harder than it needs to be. But you're right. It is a challenge. It's a, there's challenges every day. You know, the, I think the hardest thing is the unknown of... You think that it's going to go along because she's registered for school and can go, and then all of a sudden she gets a fever and can't go, you know? That's the hard part is the unknown of how do you, how do you deal with that? Because, you know, when it's just yourself, you deal with it. Exactly, and I think that's the whole thing about parenting. And, like, you have one child, and just what you said, and you've been faced with the issue. I mean, one of the things is you can't plan ahead. That's the frustrating part about it, the kind of this not knowing, not being and having to negotiate. And not knowing, kids get sick, kids get, you know, as they get older, my kids were always breaking their legs because they were these, you know, in sports. They'd call me up from school, so you know, one of the boys sprained his ankle playing basketball. Well, I didn't plan on this. <laughs> now what do I do? I'm in the middle of a meeting and I have to go, I mean, he broke it, he sprained his ankle, come and get him, he's got a cold, come and get him. How do you do that? Well, how do you maintain that balance? I mean, you just, you know, what do you do? Well, I think the real, what the, I'm learning, the big thing I'm learning is you cannot do it alone. And it's the, probably the biggest lesson of my life because I think that I've always tried to do everything alone. I don't, I know, not to ask for help. So especially being in a city where you ha- I have no family, um, I have to have a network of child care people, professional child care people. So, and when, your network, when my network gets small, it gets a little more stressful. So I'm... This week is the week of adding to the network. We have a new person here this week, so that she's filling in, so we get to know new people. So the big thing is don't try to do it alone. It takes a village. <laughs> and use the village. It takes a village, and sometimes, and I was in your situation as well, I did not have anybody, if, uh, fa- 
didn't have that many friends either, but I didn't have any family living where I was living, raising the three boys. And you're so, so I had to pay for my village. Some and people I have, have to pay for my village. I understand that. Yeah. So you better be making enough money so you can pay for your village. It all works out in the end. No, it's true. Here's somebody. Listen to this. I was talking to somebody the other day because I sit on this board, and she told me her mother runs a business, Parents in a Pinch, it's called. You can go to parentsinapinch.com. Started this business many years ago, I guess, uh, at least 20 years ago, and now it's grown. And I, I, it's in, in the Northeast. It's in the Boston area, but I think it's also expanding to other cities. Parenting in a Pinch. What she does, she contracts out with different uh, corporations and making available nannies or babysitters as part of the package for employees so that, let's say, they get 10... I'm making the numbers up, like 10 free babysitting or nanny services during the year. So let's say you are a secretary or you're a business person, or, you know, middleman, whatever you are in the company, and your kid gets sick. What you can do is call on one of these nannies or babysitters who have already been approved, et cetera, by the company. They will come, take care of your child, and it's all free of charge because that's part of wow. your employee package. Isn't that a great idea? Brilliant. And does she do it just for her employees or this is a service that companies buy into? This is a service that companies buy into. Oh, brilliant. 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 I, I thought you'd love it. I mean, isn't that what we need? I think it's brilliant. There's also a new site that I just found that's sort of along those lines but not for corporations but for the general household it's called sitters.com and they find you babysitters house sitters dog sitters old elderly people sitters sitters.com yeah sitters.com hey we're giving you some good info there everybody sitters.com parenting in a pinch uh, the uh, last week i don't know if it was this show or the other show nannies for hire that's another one. Oh, that's do, right i forgot about that one nannies for hire they do the same thing care.com so if you didn't have to pay for your village ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, and if you're paying, but I, don't, I think that even when you don't have to pay for your village, you should pay for a little bit of your village because you never know when family's not around or someone's busy or out of town or whatever, and I think it's nice to have that fill-in person as a backup. I also think it helps save marriages sometimes. So I you don't think hit- it does. <laughs> <laughs> It does. it saves you from all the money you have to pay for therapy or marriage counseling because you're fine. you know couples are arguing over well my I can't I you're the one who has to go, you know stay home because I have an important meeting I'm this particular day my meeting is more important than your meeting what I have to do is more crucial to our you know uh, exactly and then so this is we have that a little bit but we I mean really we to rely it's mostly that Rob gets to do his thing because he travels so much that I'm used to not having to rely on him which in some ways is great in other ways is frustrating and it's but at the same time I've learned to build my village you know I think it's easier in a way what you're doing. It is easier. Yeah, because you have a consistency even if the consistency is tough and you're the kind of person if you know what you have to deal with, you'll deal with it. The most difficult thing is when you don't know what you have to deal with and you sort of are sharing the load, but it becomes you're not right quite, you can't, you know, you think maybe the other person's going to be able to help you out and they can't, and then you get all the arguments. This way, you know, you're the primary one because he, his job takes him way more frequently. He's on the exactly. road. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm the one that manages it, and I'm the one that has the relationships with the village, and it works. Yeah, and 
can work in reverse as well. It's the, it totally he, could work in reverse if I was on the road. Yeah. Yes. And, he, and then I would just share the network and the list and the names of who, who's available when, and he could deal with it too, but if he's here and I'm not. The lesson here is that you, there's no one formula for everybody. No and one I think, formula. No. Yeah. We get hooked into that formulatic kind of stuff, that this works for everybody. Well, it doesn't. We've already mentioned several different things, so, you know, coming from my social worker perspective, but it's true. I mean, we have different cu- couples have different working relationships. They have, some, they have a different numbers of children. Um, there's a whole lot of factors that go into it, so you have to work it out plan, the balancing act that works specifically for you. Exactly. And not to think that my formula will work for somebody else and vice versa. And therefore, we can't judge how others are doing it. No, because there's a whole frustration level there. What do you think about this? Class, this whole thing about class war and money and taxes and who's going to bail us out in terms of higher taxes and and. It's sort of getting ugly, isn't it? It is getting ugly. So talk to me. Tell me. It's, it's making me feel sad for our country. I just, it really, I think it, I can get really in the mad place. But this morning I saw just a small bit of the news, and it just, I feel like we're, we are taking our eye off the ball, you know, rather than let's solve the problem. And we're, we can't decide on how to solve the problem. Yes. Do we always need a scapegoat? It seems to me. It seems in like econo- we always need a scapegoat. Econo- I agree with yeah, you. Economic downturns, we need a scapegoat. I mean, this is horrific. I'm not comparing it to Nazi Germany, but, you know, it's, it's, and it's getting to be, I mean, every time I hear something, and, in, and I'm in New York State, it's always, and I'm seeing this more and more on the television for these ads, the rich don't pay taxes, let right. them pay their fair share. Wait a minute. People who earn over $250,000 a year might do pay their taxes. They absolutely pay taxes. Yeah, they pay taxes, and we have one of the best prog- system of progressive taxes than in, in any other Western country, actually. I mean, people who are, are poor, who are indigent, who are disabled, don't pay taxes, and they shouldn't. They can't. The rest of the, I feel anyway, the rest of the country has to take care of them. That's our responsibility. That's our job. And then progressively, we go up the ladder, and uh, the more you make, the more taxes you pay. I mean, what we need is, this is, what we need is a system where we really, I I don't like to use the word watchdog. What am I trying to think? Where we we keep an eye on people. What? Monitor. But there's another word besides monitor. We have to go in and, and all we have to invest, we have to monitor, maybe monitor, regulate, monitor government, corporations, individuals, make sure people are doing what they're supposed to do because the laws are in place that, that for us to do that. It's, and monitoring, I mean, monitoring me is not the right, it's my word, not your word, but I think that that costs a lot of money. So, yeah, I think we have to do that short term, but the big thing is here is responsibility, and we've talked about this so many times, but if we don't start getting responsible for our own Household monies. It's. I mean, it trickles down to the. It's. It's the big picture. Yeah. All right. So, what do you mean? Are, like like people are respons- not. We yeah. have to be resp- more responsible for our own financial situations, and in turn, our, we have to be more responsible for our company situ- financial situations, our government situations. So, this is about responsibility, in my mind. And we're not taking responsibility. We're not taking responsibility. No. Absolutely not. I'm still seeing ads on television. Buy this. Get this. Uh, you don't have to pay for another year, and you don't have to pay interest. What is that? I'm like, well, and then do we have to bail these people out because after a year they can't pay? I don't understand it. Or it, it's, they, I, it's, it's totally what? irresponsible. Yeah. I mean, 
yeah, that whole issue of responsibility, and we aren't focusing on that. We're trying to, we're getting into this whole blaming situation. And that's going to, it's going to make us crumble even more quickly. Yeah, it is. So what do we do about it? Uh, It's a great question because it's getting, (laughs) I mean, it's the news is like you can feel the energy heightening because people are getting a little more panicked and a little more worried and a little more blaming, more finger pointing, and it's just, it's going to make us have a downward spiral. I I don't know what's going to get us out of it. Some, I think there's going to be a leader that does stand up. I don't know who it is. I was hoping it was going to be Barack Obama, but people are not, they're not giving him a chance. It's interesting, but I think that that's that's an excuse too. Yeah, I do too. We got one minute. I just want to say, just, this is related to what you and I have been talking about, but David Brooks, who writes for the New York Times op-ed columnist, he wrote a moderate manifesto. Now, he's a moderate Republican. I'm a moderate Democrat, but he's a very bright guy, and he was an Obama supporter or seemed to be during the elections and stuff, and he addresses this very issue. Um, so I, you and I have been talking about this. is the opinion page of the New York Times. It March 2nd, 2009. You can go online and get it. Anyway, 30 seconds left, so Lauren and I are going to take a break. You're listening to Lauren Deller-Blake, Catherine Zox, voiceamerica.com. We'll be back in a minute. Thanks for joining us. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to put the pep back in your step, Chad Lafferty's has just what you're looking for. Dance is life. Life is dance. It's only about dance. It's about moving through life with style, gaining awareness of the never-ending, ever-flowing movement that accompanies all of life's activities. Dance is life. Life is dance. Broadcast every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Radio Network. Be sure to tune in and tap into the limitless healing that dance can provide. Can't stop now. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Every week, Body Talk is here to answer your pressing questions about the fields of traditional, alternative, and functional medical science. Join hosts Dr. Stephen Ross and Drake Kellis as they uncover the truth behind some of today's ailments, symptoms, and diseases. You'll get the most up-to-date information on treatments and remedies and their effectiveness. Plus, you'll hear from leading experts on a variety of health topics. Listen for Body Talk with Dr. Stephen Ross and Drake Kellis, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. 
listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back to The Catherine Zox Show. I'm Catherine Zox with Lauren Deller-Blake, and you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Glad you're joining us this morning. Thanks for coming back. And we have our guest ready to go, uh, Glenn Sachs. Glenn Sachs is a newspaper columnist, and he writes on men's and fathers' issues. He's the executive director of Fathers and Families, and he's here. He's been on the show before, but he's here to talk to us about an article in Parenting Magazine. This is a study. Paints shocking portrait of dysfunction in American families. And, and we're glad to have Glenn here today to represent Dad, because I have to say, Lauren and I are always kind of talking about moms and women, and so we need another side of the story. And uh, how are you this morning? Nice to have you on, Glenn. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. Okay, so uh, what it, talk to us about this, this article. This, uh, it says, alarming percentages of moms are angry at dads on a regular basis. I think that's, although I think that's true. Hell hath no fury like a mommy scorn. Moms are angry about dad's role. All right, this was the study, right, in Parenting Magazine? Yeah, uh, the Parenting Magazine came out with a new study. They call it their Mad at Dad study, and uh, it's gotten a lot of publicity. It's been in the New York Times. It's been in the Washington Post. Uh, and the study claims that uh, they found that 31% of mothers get, quote, little or no help with child care from their husbands, and 46% of mothers, quote, get irate with their husbands once a week or more. And do you don't think that's true? <laughs> uh, well, well, at least I mean, the, the second the, part of Glenn, 46% of mothers get irate with their husbands once a week or more. I, I would assume that it's more than that, but anyway, go on. Well, you know, that, that one I suppose is possible, but the 31% get little or no help with child care is, uh, is clearly not true, and the study is very flawed. It's a slop. It's a self-selected listener opinion poll. Uh, and these are, are not, this is not a credible research method. It's a widely discredited research method. Basically what they did was they sent out a survey to 5,000 of their readers uh, on this issue, and then 1,000 of their readers responded, and then these percentages are based on the 1,000. So of the 1,000, I guess 310 said they get, quote, little or no help from their uh, husbands with child care. But obviously, the, the, you know, there's a huge bias in this because of the of the you know the people who answered this survey of the five thousand people it was sent to the only people who answered it were people who were really concerned about this issue or had an axe to grind or who were upset about it so you can't take that and credibly apply it to the population. So you're uh, saying, Glenn, that the angriest mothers are going to be the ones to answer, right? They're the the other the ones who respond are the ones who have who are going to be the maddest. To begin with, right, that, right, yeah. right. I mean, it would be as if you put something on your website that says, uh, you know, are you concerned about, um, I don't know, you know, uh, uh, pollution from, you know, coal burning uh, uh, power plants, and then of the people who responded, you would say, well, you know, I mean, if half of the people who responded or ninety percent of the people who responded said they were concerned then you would say 90% of Americans are concerned about pollution from coal-powered you know, power plants or whatever. Well, that's not an accurate number because it's only the people who were interested enough and cared enough and took the time to fill out your survey. All right, so you're saying this, is a flaw, this parenting magazine study is a flawed survey in your... In yeah, I mean, it, it's flawed for several reasons. I mean, that's one of the reasons why it is... Uh, uh, flawed. I mean, you but know, why is part it, of it but too, that, of course, I just, is that they only okay. ask the mothers. They never ask the fathers. And, uh, you know, uh, you, you can't get an accurate 
survey of what men are are or not doing in the uh, in the home if you don't ask the men. Now, obviously, if you were to ask the men, you'd basically get uh, a different, very probably a very different story. And I'm not sure that that story would be any more accurate than what the the women's story is. But it wouldn't be less accurate either. You'd probably get uh, men claiming they do more. Uh, than they really do, and you have the women claiming the men don't do as much as they really do. So, Glenn, why is this important? Why do we have to clarify this? What is, why, what's important about bringing all of this out? Because I think it is a major issue in families. Lauren and I were talking about it before you were on the show. I mean, that's one of the big issues between couples, uh, between uh, uh, mom and dads. I mean, they're always fighting over who does more at home and and who's doing their fair share, and it seems to be one of these constant balancing um, issues in families. It's a problem, so. Well, I mean, I, I think it's a big issue for a lot of reasons. I mean, one, what you just said. I mean, the, you know, the, the arguments between the husband and wife over who does what and whether things are fair or whatever. I also think this, you know, contributes to the already excessively negative and unfair depiction of fathers in society, you know, where we depict fathers as being kind of uh, lazy or disinterested parents or kind of along for the ride. It's really mom who does the heavy lifting in any household, uh, and that's completely not true. Men do at least as much for their households as women do. Men do it more in the labor market, uh, and women do more in the home, but when you add it all up, which is what really counts, the men are doing as much as the, as the women are doing. And I also think that stuff like this, I mean, there's this constant culture which tells women that they're getting a raw deal, they're getting the bad end of the stick, they're angry, they have reason to be angry, they should be angrier, and this stuff has an effect. I mean, I don't think you can separate that uh, from our uh, divorce rate. I mean, I'm not saying that it's causing the divorce rate. There are a whole lot of other things that are causing it, but I think it's one factor of many. And so how do we change that? Big, uh, I mean, how do we change that aside from you're saying we're well, fuel on the fire. We're just kind of like creating this emotional fury between spouses, uh, who does what, when, and who's doing more. But So then what do we do to change that? Well, how can we, you know, if, if this is kind of the, what's going on, if this is kind of the mantra between couples here in, well, in, in our country? Well, I mean, in terms of the media, you know, uh, what the media needs to do is they need to... <laughs> I mean, come on, the New York Times, the Washington Post, these other newspapers are, are reprinting this survey as if it's a serious scientific uh, instrument? I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, uh, there's no question that, that it's uh, a discredited method, and it never should have been reported as, as being credible, never should have been reported at all. And that's one of the big problems is the media loves to pick up these, you know, these uh, man-bashing, dad-bashing stories, and women are angry, and women are suffering, and women have, are full of rage over the injustice. So that's a, a, a big part of it. But um, we've always I, suffered. Women, we are suffering, Glenn. We have been suffering. We do suffer. Um, I, I don't believe you suffer any more than men do. You know, we suffer it, in different ways. This is Lord well, you, you do suffer in different ways, and, and but we suffer in different ways. And I'll tell you something else. What? And you're probably going to jump all over me for this. And we will. Know, for the first uh, uh, three years of my daughter's life, I was a stay-at-home dad. I had my son who was a little older. And I worked in the evenings and on weekends, but I was with my daughter alone every day from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., and I was her primary caregiver. And you know what? I guess I must be the dumbest guy on earth because I was never mad at my wife. I was never full of rage. Full of rage. I thought I was the luckiest guy in the world. You were never angry at her when she came home and you had been, like, with the kid, with, with, with your daughter all day? Truthfully, you never felt like, oh, 
I've just like I've I've had it. I've like you know you're out there in the real world. I'm sitting here taking care of the baby, or the, you know you never got angry. Why on earth would I be angry? My wife was supporting the family, and I got the chance of a lifetime—a chance that so few guys ever have—to be with my little girl, my adorable little girl, when she was little, and to bond with her, and, and to be with Daddy's girl. Why? Why on earth would I be mad at my wife, who uh, was earning the primary income, so I could do that? Yeah, I'll tell you why. I, think I was grateful to her. I used to call her up sometimes during the day, and I'd say, you know, honey, thank you. I appreciate this. But which, I, not, which I bet is something that very few of the women who filled out this parenting survey, and I bet very few of them ever thought to call their husbands and thank them. But there are other pieces to that. I think there are other things that you have to consider. You, as a man, have more of, a, a, traditionally, I'll say, have had more of a choice. Like, you chose to stay home. Women don't always choose to stay home. They've had less opportunities to get jobs, less opportunities to make as much money as a man if they went out there and got a job. So what is it, 77 cents on the dollar, that makes a difference. Um, women also have the babies, and they're exhausted physically when they're at home. So they're not only taking care of the babies or the kids, but they're also going through the birth process and, you know, the physical changes. So it's a lot of different, when a man stays home, there's different pieces to that. Don't you think so, Lauren? I'm wondering, there, I think that we take on different roles. So when a man stays home, I'm curious, are the meals made, is the, gro- is the fridge filled with food, and is the laundry done? I'm just curious if that all was part of the, part of the role or not part of the role. <laughs> so many stereotypes, so many, you know, everything is, is, is always, you know, you're always looking for the way that the man's scamming, right? I mean, if I was a stay-at-home parent, I couldn't possibly have been as good uh, as a woman was, I must have been sitting there drinking beer and watching TV uh, while the diaper got filled up and not changed. I mean, I'm just asking. You know, I, I was, I was a great part of the role. I was a great stay-at-home dad. I mean, I, I uh, you know, I cooked all the meals and prepared everything, and I did the uh, the laundry. Now, there's one thing that I did that was different than uh, you know the uh, the woman's traditional roles is that you know the, traditionally that well we, we had moved into a house that was a a fixer-upper. I mean, it was a, a fantastic house, had an acre of land, but it was a fixer-upper. So in my free time, I would, uh, you know, be doing stuff to fix up the house or build a fence or build a gate or, or you know, all sorts of stuff like that. And kind of the quid pro quo was that the, the, my wife would do the cleaning on Saturday as opposed to me doing it. Mm-hmm. So that was probably the one difference uh, that we uh, we had. She certainly was not working any harder or more hours than I was, but that was one difference. I was doing stuff when the, in the time that I had to do it, I was doing stuff to, to fix up the house as opposed to uh, cleaning. But other than that, I pretty much did everything that you would So did you go, you Glenn, do. did you get doctor appointments, all those? You were at the doctors. You were the primary care person who took the, your daughter to the doctor. You went to all those play dates with those mommies and the birthday parties and all this, you know, that kind of stuff. Did you do all that? Yeah, did all of it. So Hard I to believe, say, huh? I, mean, I, I actually yeah. was able to get my daughter and put her in the car and drive all the way to the doctor and have her to go see the doctor, even though I'm a man. Yeah. Well, I'm at the doctor. I was able to the, do that. Well, the, I mean, the middle of the night kind of, not the stuff that's the planned. But see, there you go, the middle of the night, oh, it's so terrible, the mother of the middle of the night. You know, I'll tell you what, the greatest moments of my life, when I look back, the greatest moments of my life were the times at 2 in the morning when I heard my little girl start to scream, and she'd scream, Yaddy! And I would get up, and I'd go, and I'd get her, and I'd put her in my arms, and I'd bring her back to my bed, and she'd fall asleep in my arms, and she would cling to me like I was the best and most important and loved person in the world. And she would cling to me and fall asleep in my arms, 
and, and, and she wouldn't, there's nowhere else she wanted to be. She didn't want to be with anybody else, anywhere else she wanted to be with me. I look back at that as a great time in my life. Yeah, that's the good stuff. That's the best there is. I totally agree with you on that one. We're going to take a short break. We're talking to Glenn Sachs, National Executive Director of Fathers and Families, Lauren Beller-Blake, my co-host, Catherine Sox, your social worker with a microphone, voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Go inside the world of PR with PR Insider, hosted by public relations expert Maureen Kettis. Maureen will speak to the world's highest profile PR pros from the fields of marketing, advertising, and sales. And PR Insider will feature renowned members of the media as special guests. Maureen will give you a VIP access pass, including tips and tricks to take your business to the next level. PR Insider with Maureen Kettis, sponsored by Cision, us.cision.com. Listen every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern Time. I'm on the Voice America Business Network. It's time for dramatic action in your business and in your life. Join us each week for a program that says it all. Power Talk. When talent and passion collide, success is inevitable. Showcases professionals who have succeeded in sales, business, entrepreneurship, and life. This show is about successful professionals for successful professionals. Listen for Power Talk. When talent and passion collide, success is inevitable. With host Andrea Siddig Rolf. Every Friday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Network. Inside all of us lives a warrior. We win battles with our careers, our finances, our children, our pets. It's time that the warrior within wins the battles with our own being. Modern-day Renaissance man Ori Hoffmeckler dispels eating urban legends and fitness myths in Voice America Network's The Warrior Within, your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Ori sets the record straight and will help you become leaner and healthier for a lifetime. The Warrior Within broadcasts live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in for your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. It's The Catherine Zox Show on Voice America, voiceamerica.com with Lauren Beller-Blake, my co-host. And Lauren and I are talking to Glenn Sachs. He's the National Executive Director of Fathers and Families. And you can go to their website at fathersandfamilies.org. And if you're just joining us, we've been talking about this very controversial article in Parenting Magazine, which paints a shocking portrait of dysfunction in American families, saying that moms are angry at dads on a regular basis. Um, Moms are angry about dads' roles. They go off to work. Mom has to face taking care of the household and the children much 
uh, more often than dad does, and so it's it's always a uh, source of contention, or it is a main source of contention in American families. Um, Glenn? Yes. Glenn, are you there? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, get out the long knives. I know you're yeah. both annoyed. No, we love you, but Lauren does have something I to say do. to you. Uh, first, I want to say, Glenn, that I absolutely 100% appreciate the lack of being a victim in this situation. I really do. I think that women need to hear that, you know, where... Why be a victim in this? But I do think that there's something that we're missing, and that is that rather than get mad at the survey, you and your wife obviously designed something that worked out beautifully for you guys. Share the design and help women design, because that's, what's, that's I think, what we're lacking is the, is the way to design with our partners so that we design something that's a win-win and everybody ends up happy at 2 in the morning rather than frustrated at 2 in the morning. So my sense is rather than get mad at this article and this, this um, research or lack of, whatever it is, what is the design that did work rather than get mad at the article? Well, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of different aspects to it, but I, I think part of it is that women need to, to stop, learn to stop being so damn critical of men and to, and to stop blaming things uh, on men. I mean, I, I think the vast majority of women who are home with their kids or whatever, they, they don't have any reason to be angry at their husbands. But I'm I think sure that are, you, know, you, you have uh, occasional husbands who are louses or who are this or that. Uh, I have no doubt that's true. But in general, they have no reason to be angry at their husbands, and maybe they should learn to appreciate the fact that they're out there working hard, shouldering the burden, shouldering the responsibility of supporting the family and giving the mothers the opportunity to be home with the kids when the kids are young. The kids are only young for a little while. You know, and, then they're but grown Catholic's up. Choice I mean, really you know, my... my uh, my, my son's a junior in high school. He doesn't want to spend time with Dad anymore. He wants to be with his friends. My little girl, tragically, against my will, has grown up. She's no longer this tiny little... <laughs> but I think that... Know, even happened. though I never gave her permission to grow up, she, she did it anyway. But it you, know, you, you only have a few years to enjoy that. I agree with you. And I think Catherine's point is important. As long as it's designed and both, both people have agreed with the roles, then you have people less frustrated. But as soon as... One person just makes an assumption that this is the way they want it to be, and it's not discussed and designed mutually. Then I think it begins this whole um, frustration between couples. And I think there's another point here. What happens is with couples is we don't have role models for even creating this kind of a design. Who do you look to? You know, it goes from one generation to the next. We look to our own parents who perhaps didn't work this out too well or too clearly either. So how do we do this? I mean, that's we so sort of... There, and that's the opportunity that Glenn has in his hands is to show, you know, that's an opportunity. We have very few people that can walk away after three and four years that says, I loved it. And if your wife's saying the same thing, I mean, you're rare. Let's I have to ask you a question, though. Are you still married? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm still married. <laughs> That's a great well, question. Well, look, it goes without saying. No, wait, what did you, you say, yes some... or no? Did he, did... What? he said yes. Yes? Yeah, no, I'm still married. Okay. I'm still married. Um, I was happily married uh, as of, uh, you know, up to maybe uh, half hour ago when my wife left. I don't know if anything has changed since <laughs> she went off to work. But, uh, um, she hasn't we, heard we the show yet. Yeah. said goodbye this morning, but... Um, you know, I, I mean, look, I, with, with my arrangement, you know, obviously the only way that that could have happened is if she wanted it and she initiated it. And, you know, my wife's very career-oriented, and she really wanted to, you know, get back to her career and get back to work. And, and you know, she basically had to kind of twist my arm uh, to do it. And, and I, in one of the stupidest things in my entire life, I resisted it because I just didn't think it was, 
for me, and then as soon as I uh, tried it and whatever, I realized that this is the most natural thing in the world, and I totally loved it, but I was a total idiot, and I didn't want to do it. Um, but, you know, when you talk about men, you know, mothers and fathers in these roles, I mean, you know, you kind of tend to talk about mothers as if they're, women as if they're just kind of passive actors or this happens to them or it's done to them or their husbands just lay down how it's going to be, and that's what happens. I mean, that, that's not how it works in, in most families. I mean, these women are, are deciding to have kids. They're choosing to have kids. They're choosing when to have kids. And, and, and for the most part, they're choosing whether they want to stay home or whether they don't want to stay home. I mean, I, I know there are economic forces that help shape that, too, but it, it's not as if the men are just ordering this one way or the other. I think the women have a lot more say in it than the men do. But don't you think, and this isn't based on any studies, Glenn, and I don't know if, Lauren, you know the answer to this, but when now you know, at times are you know, we have economic uh, down, you know, we, we have husbands and wives both working, and not necessarily by choice. Some women or some men would prefer to stay home and have one go out and work, and that can't happen. But when women and men both are in the field, and this, both working full-time, it seems to me that the mother ends up taking on most of the slack with the children, even though she's also working full-time, which is a different situation than yours was, Glenn. But, but the research clearly shows that when you say full-time work for men and, full-time, and you say full-time work for women, you're really talking about two different things because full-time men still work considerably more hours per week than full-time women do. The woman might be working full-time, but she's working 40 hours. The man might be working 55. But so, of course, the woman's going to pick up the slack in terms of, of uh, you know, the extra child care or who has to take who to the doctor or, or this or that. Of course, she's going to. Why shouldn't she? But that's the, that's the assumption. Of course, like, what if the woman chose to work? And, again, this is about lack of design, lack of communication, which starts the frustration. So if it's just assumed that the man's going to put in more hours and the woman's going to put in less hours, then there's an assumption that starts the friction. Well, that may be true, but you're assuming that that's something that the man wanted and the man's kind of imposing on the woman, and I don't think that's the reality. And I'll tell you something else, you know, most women, they want the man to earn, uh, uh, you know, uh, good money or more money than them or to have the responsibility of earning the, uh, the money, and men who... Men who can't financially support their families or men who are economically dependent or men who don't want to work or don't want to support the family or want to be home with the kids, they're not very well thought of. The issue really, in my mind, comes down to lack. It's, there's assumptions that are made within a standard traditional relationship that I, I can say personally, I didn't expect it to be that way. I had, I had made assumptions too, and the lack of design causes the frustration. So it, it can be, it's, I think the place to start is let's, clean slate and design what we want to, to do this thing together called parenting. There's one thing that I, I do agree with you, Glenn, and then I, this was the quote, I, uh, and I don't know if this was in something that you wrote in the article, the Journal of Family Psychology in June of 2008 and the Journal of Marriage and Fam- Family in 1999 show that mothers, and I think this is true and they get themselves into trouble with this, mothers are generally the gatekeepers of fathers' involvement with their kids. And that's a whole issue that presents a problem. Let's talk about that. Because I, I think that's a big issue. Everyone's speechless. I mean, <laughs> no, no, I, I, you were just on such a roll. I didn't want to interrupt. No, no. But, no I, I think that's a tremendous issue. I think uh, the, you know, mothers have this assumption that their way is the best way, and they know what they're doing, and uh, and, and you know, they push consciously or unconsciously, they push fathers away from the kids. They push fathers away from the hands-on care. And then they turn around and they're like, well, well, God damn it, you know, I have to do all the hands-on care. Where is he? I think they're helping to create the, the, the situation themselves 
uh, through this maternal gatekeeping. Yeah, and I think that's really, I do see that. I had a, a couple girlfriends who really did that. They had to be in control. They'd leave the, their, you know, the child with, you know, son or daughter with their father, but he didn't dress them right or he didn't, you know, feed them at the right time or the right food or there was always this criticism of how he did it, not just that he did it. He would do it and wanted to do it. The father wanted to do it his own way. And then there was all kinds of friction because he didn't do it their way. And don't you think that's true, Lauren? I mean, I think that's a real problem it that is women a problem. have. And I found myself going there and there's a place of, you know, just accepting that they, men do it differently. And there is, I agree with that. There is, we have to, st- we have to stop judging it and having it have to be a certain way. I do agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's a big issue, and, and, you know, the fathers, when they get this, they back off. I mean, this could also be true of, of, the, of the household chores. I mean, just to, you know, just for in, in my family, you know, growing up, uh, you know, my, my mother always had a certain way that the dishwasher had to be loaded, and, uh, you know, my sister has an IQ of over 150. Uh, I'm fairly intelligent, although not as smart as her, uh, and my father is a, a, you know, a brilliant attorney who won cases before the California Supreme Court, but none of us, none of us were ever smart enough to figure out how to load that dishwasher uh, properly. And, uh, you know, as a result, my mom ended up having to do the, uh, load the dishwasher, even now, uh, age 81 and enfeebled, uh, if we're over there for dinner or whatever, uh, we have to go into this whole decoy action so that either I or my sister can sneak into the kitchen and, and load the dishwasher for her without her objecting. And, you know, I saw this and I just decided, you know what, I, I don't want to repeat this in my family. I want my kids to do the dishes instead of me having to do them. So a couple of years ago I decided that uh, my kids are going to start loading the dishwasher and however they do it, they do it. You know, once in a while I'll make a suggestion, but I'm just going to live with it and if there's you know, occasionally there's a dirty dish that makes its way into the cabinet. When I see it, I'm just going to put it back in the sink and it'll get uh, washed get again done. or whatever. Well, I never cared about that. Whoever wants to do the chores, do them and do them the way you want to. That wasn't my problem. <laughs> but I, too, grew up with a father who was a brilliant trial attorney, and interestingly enough, he could never learn how to boil an egg, which always surprised me. Harvard, Harvard, Harvard Law School graduate, <laughs> but when it came to learning how to do, the, and my mother wasn't particular about, although she liked her territory. See, she wanted her, she didn't want anybody to kind of take over her job. So, but yeah, he could never learn how to cook, which was always mind-boggling to me. But uh, so, you know, those were our, well, that was my role model. But I, I, I'm not fussy about the house, so I might. Because I have an ex-husband, so that's another story. But <laughs> well, but I mean, I think that's a part of it too. The chores are never done right. You know, you, you miss this, you miss that. You didn't do this, you didn't do that. And, and what what do men do when they're faced with this, either with the chores or their kids or whatever? Uh, what a lot of men do, and I don't even think they think about it. But a lot of men do is, you know what? Uh, you know, I can't do this right. I can't do that right. But you know what? I can go out and make money. So I'm going to go out and make money, and that's what they do. Yeah. I do. Your point of you know we are creating our world is so true. I do think we do need we all, including men, need to take responsibility for our situation. And being the person that just runs out the door and goes and makes money is just a band aid, and that it just adds fuel to the fire. And not I get why uh, you say that men do that. I totally get it. And it's not the best answer. It's just one answer. All right, we're going to leave on that note, Lauren. That was a good one because we got 30 seconds left. We have to say goodbye to Glenn. Glenn Sachs, National Executive Director of Fathers and Families. You can go to his website, uh, glennsachs.com or fathersandfamilies.org. Thanks, Glenn, for joining us this morning. My pleasure. Have a great day. We'll be back in a few minutes. Don't go away. VoiceAmerica.com. Catherine Zox and Lauren Miller-Blake.
talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Total career success. What does it mean to you? Voice America presents a radio program dedicated to help you achieve your career goal. Even in times of economic uncertainty, you can achieve your financial goals. Whether you're a college grad, new in the working environment, or a top-level executive, you will benefit from the practical and proven advice on job search and career advancement. Join Ken and Cheryl Dawson every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, for Total Career Success on Voice America. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Are you ready to grow your business? Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show with your coach, Rick Carrado. This entertaining talk radio program will bring you the tools to help increase your business. You'll learn sales success, time management, lead generation, business development, life balance, and much more. Rick Carrado is here to help you take your business to the next level. Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show, heard live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Want to have behind-the-scenes access to some of the greatest minds of today? On Shift in Action, we feature leading-edge innovators who are building a more conscious, sustainable, and healthy culture. Host Stephen Dynan offers live shows with evolutionary leaders such as Deepak Chopra, Van Jones, and others who are creating new paradigms for conscious living. You can keep your finger on the pulse of the latest frontier work with our weekly transmission of inspired wisdom on Shift in Action, broadcast live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm your social worker with a microphone on the Catherine Zock Show, voiceamerica.com, with Lauren Beller-Blake, my co-host. Lauren and I have been talking, and uh, we had a really good discussion with my guest. My, actually, the one and only guest we have today is Glenn Sachs. He was is the National Executive Director of Fathers and Families. And if you have been were listening to our conversation with him and you want to learn more about him or uh, get in touch with him, you can go to fathersandfamilies.org or Glenn Sachs. Dot com And Lauren and I got so excited and heated about this whole discussion that we were continuing it during the break, and I think we still want to talk about it, don't we? But for those there. Who, yeah, well, for those who are just joining us, is this whole controversial uh, research project that came out, Parenting Magazine, and they quoted the New York Times, Washington Post, that moms are all, they're often 41% of, 31% of the time mothers feel that they get little or no help with their child care, and 46% of mothers get irate with their husbands once a week or more. I think that part is true. But 
uh, we were kind of talking more about the childcare thing and women being unhappy about the way their husbands or their partners perform with the children in the house, household chores, taking care of the kids. Um, is that, I think that's that sort of covers it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you say? It does cover it. Yeah, it yeah. does. Yeah. And so, um, but Lauren, you made a really good point. Which point was that, Kathy? Your point was you said that this is this is definitely an issue, but you felt like maybe, and Glenn is not here to um, defend himself. Defend himself now, but he, hopefully maybe he's still listening. Well, that, uh, yeah, he's got this information. He's like, he's getting angry because he feels men are getting the short end of the stick, so he's getting kind of he, he, emotional about it. And you're saying that men. Need to also you have to have a plan so that neither neither the husband or the wife gets upset. You need some kind of a plan for parenting. Well, and another point is that whenever we as humans begin to feel like the victim, like poor me, we begin to start competing with my situation's worse than your situation, and it's abs- it's sort of like what's going on in our economy right now. Um, you know, but as soon as we do that, we are in a mode that is our weak mode, and it will get us nowhere. And now what's interesting is that, you know, women have been complaining about men for, you know, I guess a million and million and two years, you know. <laughs> and Glenn's here saying stop complaining about men, but as he's doing it, he's being victim. And I think that he's got some really great points that he loved that time, and we as women, I think, need to start looking at how, do we, how can we love that time more and stop being victim. I think we have to get away from it. I started to say this during the break to you, Lauren. <clears throat> Cinderella attitude that we have that 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 we get married and we uh, it's uh, we're going to you know love ever after and then we have our kids and our little house and that we can't afford to pay for but that's another issue <laughs> uh, but and, and what happens is we we tend to think that things will just happen it will you know it, if it's meant to be I hear people so often talking about saying using that drives me crazy if it's meant to be you have a choice you have choices you choices. have to do things so that certain that you know, there'll be certain results, and if, you know, one choice, you get one result, one, another choice, you get something else, and it's the same way. You have to plan it, it you, and maybe it, it, that's not romantic, but that you have to have some kind of a plan, and it, everybody doesn't have the same plan. Different Nobody households. has the same plan. No. Did you ever watch that show, that one where they do the wife-swapping thing, that reality TV show? <laughs> I've seen it. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's a perfect example. It you is have a great example. Two families, they have kids, they totally operate from completely different places, and one is not necessarily better than the other. Mm-hmm. And once you start to put yourself in other people's shoes, you get a sense of, oh, this is not as bad as I thought. My situation's not that bad. But I think we do play victim role, and I think that we have to start taking charge of what we, how we want our life to be. And if we don't like something, ask for help. It goes back to our original story of, you know, you can't do it by yourself, and if you need help and there's things that you're not loving in your world, how can you get help doing it? Women end up victims. You know, you say... We don't get help. And I think women, particularly, for whatever reason, sometimes, and I'm going to get flack for this, won't ask for help. I they agree. Won't, and it's or they won't pay for help. I mean, I'm a big one to put that in your budget. And there's nothing wrong with it. And you're not a bad mother if you have a babysitter twice a week or three, even if you're at home, even if you are not working outside your home, but you're working inside your home, all the more reason to either get a family, a friend, or hire somebody to come in and relieve you once or twice a week so you can go out and have fun. Yeah, and so I think it's our responsibility to figure out how to be happy around our children to teach them how to be happy. It's, and if we don't take that responsibility, we are doing a disservice to our child. 
But it's that martyr thing. I'm it a good exactly mom. Right. If I but stay we're here. teaching them to be martyrs. Yeah, and it doesn't work. No, it's not. It doesn't have us be in our best, powerful place every single day, which is where we make the, you know make a huge difference in the world. So what you're saying is we can't be. Once you dis, you define yourself as a victim, it's it's over. I mean, you're not going to get anywhere because you're it, done. You're in your weak. Yeah. at your weakest point, and you will not be productive in conversation, communication, and care. So. What do we, I mean, we need a plan, what do we, let's sort of wind it up with, we have to, uh, you're a coach, I'm a social worker, what kind of, let's sort of uh, give a, um, what am I trying to say, sort of an overview of what a plan, you know, what do we tell people, what do we tell ladies? Well, I think it starts with having, um, sitting down and just like we would design a plan to take a cross-country trip, and I don't mean to minimize it, we sit down and have a conversation about how are we going to be parents and where are the holes in what we want to do. And that's when you start to bring in the village. But you need to have the conversation of what do you want your role to be and what do I want my role to be so that we're both in our best best situations. And then, then you there, have yeah, and then, and then you have there to... you keep designing, and you might have to bend now and then, but the point is is to help each other be in their best situation that they could be so that everybody's happy at the end of the day. You also have to be able to evaluate how this is working out in yep. terms of, and be able to change and say maybe this isn't working or it's working for you, but it's not working for me, so then it's not working for our family, and so we have to make some changes. It's not that you're a bad person or I'm a good person, uh, and we're not going to get into that tug of war, you know, when you're holding that big rope, that game that you play. and Exactly. Yeah, because that doesn't get you anywhere until you let go of the rope, and then you have to start all over again. But, yeah, you have to be able to let go and say, hey, this doesn't work for us. Let's, we have to do something else. And ra- but what we tend to do is we have big arguments about it, and rather than, you know, it's interesting because men always want to be fixers. Well, this is a way to fix it, but you need to have the extended conversation. It's not a five-minute thing. It's an extended conversation to hear what both parties want. Yeah, I think that's good advice. All right, I, and, I, and I really... I mean, anybody who's uh, – the other thing is, I think even when people decide to have children, um, they sort of have children haphazardly, too. I mean, we – you know, you, you'll plan your trip next year to Europe. You'll plan your ski vacation, your trip to the Caribbean, you know, to, all these uh, – uh, or to, you know, entertainment stuff. But we don't even plan how many children we want or how – Far and we have and we have that choice or how far apart we want them. I mean, all the big decisions like that we kind of let just happen for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. We I mean we shouldn't. There's so, we have choice about so many things. So have choice about it. Yeah, make a plan. Have a choice. We'll talk. This is a hot topic. We'll talk about this again. We have to. We've got one minute left. So um, Lauren and I are going to say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Such an important topic on how to be happy. Yeah, so listen to it, by the way. You know, you could, I get people saying, well, when is your show on? doesn't really, it matters when the show is on. This is live, uh, uh, 10 to 11 on the East Coast on Mondays, I mean on Wednesdays, but uh, and on the West Coast at 7 p.m., but you can just go to the uh, uh, Voice America website, and you can listen to us anytime. It's archived there. You can also download the show if you want to, put it on your own computer, listen to it at your own leisure. So once we do the show, it's always available. That's always fun. Mm-hmm. You lucky people. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Wednesday.
hope you have enjoyed today's episode of the Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox. 